everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of Volley. I'm Carolyn April, and as always, I'm looking for my good buddy, Seth Robinson. Seth. Hey, how are you doing? I'm coming off a big graduation here. Woohoo! Yes. Twins, right? Good Your yeah, yeah, my boy. I know you've been through two of them yourself. This is my second one. It's always a always a good day. I think it's it's a better day for the parents than the kids. The kids don't care. It's just like another day for them. You know, they move on and you know they're they're looking forward to college. But I think True. for parents, it uh, it means something pretty big. What did they do um, in the COVID era? Like, was it a regular graduation or did pretty they modify? Close. modify yeah, I mean, so they know? they split the population into two like they have you know the whole year when they were doing the hybrid schedule and so the first half of the kids were in the morning and then the second half of the kids which I was in was in the afternoon you know right at the high heat of the day but it it wasn't too bad and then they had it they usually have it in their field house and they had it out on the football stadium other than that you know I mean they I think they moved through it a little quicker um, but it was it was pretty straightforward so Nice, cool. nice to be able to to do it. You know, like I said, you know, nicer for us than for him. I mean, he was really sweltering in you know the cap and gown there, but um, you know, that's not fun. But um, that's great. Well, congratulations! You get two out of three. I know. Yeah, three on, one to go. So yeah, and you know, another another celebratory news. Happy birthday! Not to, to you, to to our little podcast here, Volley. It's, you know what? What? Five you, years. You're so good at keeping track of all this stuff. I don't know. Um, yeah, well, I've got that's our birthday now. Yeah, so we've we've done five years of this. So um, you're right. Yeah. It did, it did start in June. If I yeah, it's kind of hard yeah. to believe we've been plugging away at it for that long. But uh, you know, really have had fun doing this with you, and um, and appreciate everyone that's listened. I mean, I think we've built a good following. We've got people that talk to us a lot saying that they listen and they learn things from it. So uh, I think we're going to keep doing it. Yes, we are. Um, yeah. I'm, well, I'm re- I did not know you were going to spring that one on me. So I'm really <laughs> happy that uh, I, cause you know me like, whoop, we've been doing this for five years. Um, but we've now introduced since we're doing video, somebody new to help us make this slightly more professional, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, five years in and, we're happy to introduce a new member of the Volley family here. We've got a new producer, Andrea McMillan. Uh, so Andrea, hey, thanks for uh, joining us. Thanks for helping us out with this as we've moved to video. And and like Carolyn said, trying to make it a little more professional here. Happy five-year birthday, guys. You guys are doing an amazing job. Happy to be part of it. Thank um, you. We're happy to have you to make us look better and sound better and be better. Anything I can do to help. <laughs> and Andrea, you're kind of a podcast pro, right? You've got your own podcast that you do. I do. I have my own side podcast about uplifting humanity. So sharing inspiring stories with people. That's oh, awesome. That sounds so much better than what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I respect your guys' grind here. I understand. I've only been doing it for about a year and a half. And I completely underestimated the work, the production um, process, and the workflow. And so for five years, it's incredible. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. And uh, like I said, we're thrilled to have you on. You know, it's been Thanks. been great. Now that we now that we think we're for sure going to do this video thing moving forward, we're super happy to have you because we we wouldn't want to do all the editing on the back end that uh, <laughs> that you help us with. So thanks for making us look good. Oh, thank you guys. And I'm happy to do it. Love it. Thank you. Awesome. All right. Thanks. So Carolyn, for today, the the main event, I think you've got some new research coming up, right? I do. Yeah. I'm excited to talk about it. This is our annual State of the Channel. 
Um, I went back and thought about it. This is the ninth one we've done. I've worked at CompTIA for 11 years now. So pretty much most of my tenure here, we have done this study. Um, and it really just takes a deep dive into what's going on with our mainly like people who in, are in our membership, if you think about it, they run channel companies, solution providers, VARs, MSPs, consultants more increasingly, the gamut of those who work in the indirect channel. And we're about to publish the latest iteration of that. So I'm excited. Um, the other thing to note about this year though, because we, we don't do this every year is it's um, on an international basis. So we fielded this study, not only to our North American or US um, respondents, but also to our communities outside of the United States. So it was fielded to the UK, Canada, Benelux, and Australia, New Zealand. So we're get, we'll get a full international flavor to the study, which is exciting. Um, and yeah, cool. I think the other thing to note before I'll let you chime in, the other thing to note is that um, we're coming off a once in a lifetime bizarro year. So this has always been a study that iteratively looked at year over year results. And this year you really can't do that because last year was such a strange year for a lot of companies, most companies, to be honest. Um, so it provides a little bit of like excitement, I guess, to the study yeah. because yeah, it, it's not going to be the same old, same old. Cool. Yeah. On the international side, I know we get questions all the time on, you know, what's going on in different countries. And, uh, and, you know, in a lot of cases, it's not necessarily all that different, but it's nice to have the data to either show that it's not that different or if there are some differences to kind of show it. I'm, I'm guessing that most of what we talk about here today will be kind of U.S. centric. But if there's anything, you know, super different, you know, internationally, feel free to point that out. Um, there's a lot that I want to jump into, but I guess... What's the what's the main takeaway that you're that you're seeing uh, this year? Um, I think, you know, from a general viewpoint, um, there's definitely cautious optimism. I, I I do in reading the data sense that there's um, companies who are a little bit gun shy to predict gangbusters for the future. Right now, they're they're still kind of coming out of the pandemic, because we should note here, most of these channel companies are small companies. So, and when I say small, very small, and they um, sell to small customers. And those were probably the biggest demographics um, from a business perspective that were impacted negatively by COVID. And so last year was a struggle for a lot of companies. Now there are little pockets of, of, of upside where some, we, I think we've talked about this on the podcast is, you know, where some MSPs found some opportunity during the uh, like rush to remote work where they were called upon all of a sudden to have to deal with a bunch of um, very displaced uh, customers who are all over in their homes as opposed to working in a headquarters, for instance. But Generally speaking, I, I sense a little bit of caution, I would say was, and I don't know what's next, but um, there's also some slivers of optimism in there as well. I know that sounds very broad, but that's kind of the takeaway that I get from the data. Yeah, no, I, I think that makes sense. I mean, obviously, 
the the people that we went out to are still in business, right? So we, we oh, probably didn't yeah. reach a lot of people that might have had to, you know, shut down over the past year. That's actually a good idea. We should just go find the people who went out of business and ask them their take on life, you know, be like, hmm. Yeah, yeah, because uh, I think it gives us a little bit of a skewed perspective. But I, I, I don't know how skewed that is because I think that technology has been been so important to businesses for a long time now, and especially over the past year, I think that uh, that importance increased as they needed to go remote workforce. They were trying to make their operations more resilient. So, I think the fact that a lot of these companies were in technology at all uh, probably helped them. Uh, obviously. The, the different clients that they might have had, uh, if you know, if they were serving clients in the hospitality industry or something like that, that would have been a major impact. But I, I think that that optimism makes sense, and I think the caution probably touches on something that we were seeing well before the pandemic: that the the nature of technology distribution and technology solutions is changing, and I think that's just going to keep accelerating moving forward. You know, like we always talk about how much technology is actually moving through the channel. Uh, and, and I think that when we talk about that, we, we use a fairly traditional description or definition of the channel. Uh, that definition could probably expand now, and then the, the amount of technology would obviously grow. But from a traditional standpoint, I think we've talked about this a million times, you know, all of those distribution of hardware, you know, setting up of systems, that's all changed, you know, completely in in a much more consumer centric uh, technology space, and with the cloud happening. So, you know, obviously the space is evolving a lot, and I, I think that you know your data will be interesting to to look at to see you know how how the traditional space is shifting, but how new spaces are evolving to kind of fill that gap. Yeah, it's interesting. I, that's a very good point. I mean, we asked one of the main questions that we ask is, you know, what do you think about the health of the channel, the state of it? I mean, that's the title of the study. And, you know, a plural, plurality, I can never say that word, of um, our respondents, you think that the channel is still very relevant, but this is the caveat, they say it's changing rapidly. So to your point, um, what they, I think, are beginning to recognize is that the business models are changing. Um, they may be less um, product centric, and we've talked about that a lot, um, and much more consulting oriented in what they do. And that reflects being in the cloud era where a lot of customers now are just empowered to purchase directly, you know, and, 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 and get a, you know, a SaaS application or anything else um, online themselves, but that the after work, um, and I just coined that term, that, uh, that might have to take place that they don't have the uh, expertise to do. That's where the channel comes in. So it's really redefined the way that the channel, what you think of as an indirect channel provider uh, of any stripe is that more often now they are being called in to do the work once the product or service has actually already been provisioned or um, at least purchased or thought about by the customer. Um, it's less about them going in and selling something and more about them selling themselves to help you integrate, implement, deploy, whatever it is that you already picked out. Yeah. And I, I think that channel companies that recognize that are the ones that are going to be successful. So it's they have to move their model a little bit. And sometimes that can be a kick in the pants. It's like, you know, I used to sell 
X and I'd show it to my customers. And that's just not the way the majority of um, the supply chain now works. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, you mentioned business models and you mentioned this move away from being product centric. And I think that ties into the discussions we've had. I, I know I wrote a blog post last year about four primary models that were emerging and three of them, I think, are pretty familiar, you know, consulting, reselling, managed services. Mm -hmm. And I think the fourth one that's emerging is kind of taking all of this and putting it together for into a broad business solution for your clients. And yeah. like you said, that's a lot more than just grabbing a thing off the shelf and saying, you know, here, can I resell this to you? Can I stand this up? Can I monitor it for you? Uh, and, and not everyone is going to move into one of these buckets, certainly not cleanly. You know, there's going to be a lot of blurred lines, but I, I think even for someone that's doing traditional reselling, there's still going to be product, you know, moving around. Uh, they just may find that they need to start working a little bit more with people that have, you know, a different business model. Uh, and, and maybe they're not, you know, the only solution provider, you know, in the mix anymore, but they're still, the piece that's providing the hardware and the infrastructure and, and those types of things. And there's going to be, you know, still some value there. So, you know, it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah. I think that um, people are really jockeying right now to figure out where their value add is. And if it means that you're not the sole pro provider to a customer and you work with a bunch of others, um, so be it. I mean, that may be the model for many companies going forward. Um, depending on customer demand. But um, jumping into another subject from the study is I wanted to talk a little bit about vendors because the vendor relationship is very important, obviously, um, but it's changing um, pretty dramatically these days. And one of the topics that we wanted to look at in this study and we've looked at in past studies as well is the concept of partner experience which sounds kind of buzzwordy, I realize that. Um, but we've talked about customer experience in the past and that's a big deal for many businesses to be able to provide what uh, amounts to the perfect quote unquote experience that a customer may have with you from recruitment, buying, all the way through to support and you know whatever end up, ends up ongoing management that happens after that. Well, similarly, there is the same concept going on in the you know channel vendor space around providing a good partner experience and what that reflects is the changing um, power dynamic um, it used to be that vendors held all the cards and today because of the, cl the cloud era and and what we just talked about about changing business models and in many ways the vendor and their products and services are abstracted from the customer. The customer just wants to solve a business problem and talk to the person that's going to help them navigate that. And they're not necessarily asking you to buy, I want to buy X vendors products. That's sort of gone by the wayside. And, and so as a result, um, vendors have really had to step up their game and provide a better experience for partners because partners have gotten a lot pickier about who they want to work with. So very similar to how a customer experience goes, um, now we're seeing partners demand um, those exact same kind of things from their vendors, good technical support, good business support, 
um, multiple ways to interact with them, ease of communications, um, and all of those things. And they've become very important to the partner community. Yeah, I, I think that experience is something that we're seeing pop up across the technology landscape, right? You know, you mentioned customer experience for these solution providers and partner experience and working with the vendors. We talk a lot about customer experience internally when we're, you know, talking about a help desk, you know, working with internal employees. And I, I think that that just reflects the change in technology here as, as the product part has become more commoditized that that becomes less of the the primary driver behind the relationship right you know it's like okay i've got i've got the product i, I can do the basic stuff I, I got that all taken care of now to get to the next level whatever that is whether that's employees being productive or customers coming back to you or partners engaging more with vendors i think that's becomes about the experience uh, and so i think that this is a a really common thread that a lot of technology companies are going to have to start focusing on. And it's a completely different muscle than than what they used to, right? I mean, it used to be nuts and bolts, supply chain, specs and feeds, you know, yeah. that type of stuff. And and this is a lot more about, uh, you know, satisfaction and different types of metrics and and psychology and, and different things. So I, I could imagine that, uh, you know, as, as much as we talk about diversity, this is a great opportunity to to build some diversity, you know, into contributing to the the experience, whether it's a vendor dealing with a partner or partners dealing with their clients. Yeah, you, you mentioned satisfaction with vendors and, and it's interesting in the study this year, we saw a decline. Not, I mean, typically when we ask and we always ask the question about um, how happy are you with working with a particular set of vendors you're, you're working with today. And typically those numbers are, are way high. So, you know, a net satisfaction rate would be in the 80% tile or higher. It went down to 74% this year, which is still, you know, a good satisfaction score, but it's a drop. And I wonder if some of this is partners finally realizing, you know, that, that there are different things that they want from the vendors whom they work with. And if they're not getting that, there's going to be a knock on the, um, you know, the level of satisfaction that they have working with them. And they might start looking around to work with different vendors. Um, I think business model changes have a lot to do with this um, because those have a trickle down effect on how partners are compensated, what they value in a partner program, all of those things. So if vendors are not making a pivot. And I've talked to a lot of vendors and, and they and they are, they're trying. It's not an easy thing to re-architect a partner program and, and figure out how to best appeal to profitable partners today with the new things that they might be requiring. Um, but that's definitely one of the things when the report comes out, you'll be able to see, but also that's, that's a notable takeaway from the study this year. And I don't know, you know, I always say maybe last year was just a bad year, but I don't know. It's a it's a significant enough drop in satisfaction. I think we should you know put it out there. Yeah, that is significant, uh, and and I think it's definitely something to keep an eye on. Yeah. I, you know, as I'm thinking about experience, the 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 next thing that I that I lead into, I think is is one of the other big takeaways that you've shared with me so far that. The, these solution providers are probably starting to think about different markets, different verticals. Yeah. Um, and they maybe have sold into a lot of the same types of companies, um, you know, in the past. 
and now they want want to expand. And we talk so much about digital transformation, and you know, quote unquote, every tech, every company is a technology company. But you know, we also talk about how that's not exactly true. And if you're selling technology into a different vertical, you have to understand the business of that vertical. You're not just standing up new technology and then you you walk away from it. So what did you see in the study in terms of you know verticals and and where solution providers think the opportunities are? That's a great question. Um, yeah, verticals are we we ask about verticals all the time and um, and typically the list of industries that the channel sells into stays fairly static. Um, it's it's a little different this year, and I don't know what that what accounts for it. I call it the oddity of verticals. Um, but um, the number one area that we asked the question a little differently this year. Instead of asking just what who do you you know what industries do you sell to, we asked where do you see the most opportunity and what's the most and then conversely, what is the most difficult industry you think to break into is, and so we can discuss this because I don't, I'm not fully, I don't fully understand, but the number one vertical that our respondents said that they think the most opportunity is, is in is the IT industry itself. So they're thinking about selling to vendors, selling to software companies, selling to hardware companies, selling their services in some way. Uh, and then on the flip side, we asked what's the most difficult to get into. And they said the same thing, the mm -hmm. IT industry. Um, now it's not radically different, but um, from other from other verticals, but uh, significantly enough that um, we should talk about it. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting to me. I, you know, I I looked at that data, especially the opportunity one, mm -hmm. and the the first thought that I had was just, you know, this is familiarity, right? Like they they think, okay, I, I know what I know. I, I can sell this stuff. We're all talking the same language. You know, I think back to when we were talking about the opportunity in healthcare IT and how we thought that was going to be such a big thing. And, you know, yeah. on paper, it was like, yeah, all of these, you know, hospitals and medical institutions are dealing with outdated technology. And there's obviously a huge opportunity here and they're wanting to digitize their records. But it never really got the traction that we were expecting to see, at least like within our membership, within our corner of the industry. Mm -hmm. And I I believe that part of that is because you weren't just showing up at the door, you know, with your suitcase full of wares and they were like, oh, great, you know, take all my money. They They were asking, okay, how can this technology ensure that I'm in compliance with HIPAA? And you can yeah. imagine that the solution provider that showed up with the suitcase is like, I need to go, you know, get bone up on HIPAA, right? <laughs> yes. And and a lot of them did. But the point is that it wasn't just showing up at the door of these new verticals. You had to understand the ins and outs of the vertical. You know, and, and in that case, there was regulatory compliance. But in any case, there are specific needs of, of the vertical that the technology has mm -hmm. to meet. Uh, and, and these clients, you know, in many cases, aren't savvy enough to apply the technology to their specific needs. They need help on that. They need consulting on that, right? And so I, I feel like there's a lot out there, you know, when, when, when these solution providers are saying that they maybe don't see as much opportunity in healthcare, education, finance, retail, you know, the host of things that you've got there. I, I think that it's still there, but I think there's maybe a little bit more elbow grease to it. 
there's a lot of elbow grease to it. <laughs> um, and I think that, that um, a lot of solution providers and MSPs, et cetera, don't fully realize. Now, again, going back to what I said earlier, they're very small companies. So diving into a vertical at a very high level and or deep level um, is not easy. It takes a lot of training. You need to talk to these companies. You need to understand all the ins and outs. There's a million different very niche applications and software that apply to, you know, manufacturing or retail. And so you get it, have to get up to speed on all of those. Um, every industry has its own quirks, so to speak. Um, so yeah, I think that's a great, you're helping me here because I think that's a great takeaway that selling familiarity is probably one of the reasons that um, the selling to the IT industry is is up there, number one. Healthcare did drop, by the way. I think healthcare is hard and um, mm -hmm. harder than, than other industries. So, th so there's a reason for that. Um, uh, but we see a, a, steady, um, a steady representation among professional services, so accounting and lawyers and all of that. And then manufacturing has made a rise in verticals. So somebody out there in the channel world is starting to find that as a, as a good target area for them to work in. And it may have something to do with IoT. That's what I was thinking. So Internet of Things, manufacturing. So if you're getting into that area, um, manufacturing might be a natural uh, for you. But... I and we at CompTIA, you know, preach that this is a differentiator. So um, it, it's a smart move to get out of just horizontal only type of business and think about being able to specialize in something, not exclusively, because as we've learned during the pandemic is if you only do one thing and it happens to be the one thing that is, you know, is going to be most impacted by a, a pandemic or some other horrible event, um, then you're in trouble. So you need a little diversification, but it's still a good idea to be able to call yourself the expert in X if you can. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that that probably brings the conversation full circle, actually. You know, at the top, we were talking about optimism, but evolution, and now we're talking about opportunity, you know, but effort, right? And I, I think both of those things yeah. exist. You know, there's a lot of opportunity here. There's a lot of reasons for optimism, but it's not going to be the same old, same old. Um, you know, I, th I think that the, that the places where there's the most opportunity will require investment, you know, in changing business model, growing skills, um, building marketing, you know, whatever it might be, you know, and I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure you're going to dive into a lot of this in the report. So yes. uh, when, when can people expect to see this one go live next month or so? Okay, so um, I would say it's, well, it's definitely going to be going live in July. Um, okay. I just don't know exactly which week we want to get this in advance of ChannelCon so we can do a little plug for ChannelCon virtual that's going to be going on August first week of August I believe yep. so I'm ba I'm bad at plugging things since I don't have the date in my head exactly but I believe it's August second third fourth um, or third fourth one two days I know and so we'll have some data I will be presenting some data for that event and it'll be based off of this study so. Um, for those of our listeners, viewers, um, look for this report in um, mid-July. I'm going to give you a mid-July ballpark for right. that. Uh, and again, there'll be international versions of it as well. So there'll be a main report and then uh, several others that break everything out by uh, geography. Very good. Something to look forward to then. So this has been a little bit of a sneak peek, a preview. Um, but yeah, people can 
look for that in mid-July. And then, yeah, definitely check out ChannelCon, uh, where Carolyn will be talking a little bit more about this. So thanks for sharing. Okay. You bet. You bet. All right. And, uh, you know, thanks again to Andrea for producing this and all of our future volleys. And I'm sure we'll hear from her more in the future. And uh, Carolyn, I will talk to you next time. All right. Have a good weekend, buddy. All right. You too.